What? Why are you jamming out? <laughs> I was jamming out. Lovely. <laughs> yeah, I do kind of like in the background, I'd be swinging my head. He's like, this is a nice little beat I picked up. Um, but what's flashing to everyone, all my viewers, you're now tuned into Siren Sundays. And this is a special episode because it is the season four finale. On this episode, our guest is the Dr. Ancelino Davis, CEO and founder of Science and Perspective, and he's here to discuss with us today some of his recent work with ISRA Aid, which dealt with groundwater monitoring and sustainable management. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me back again. I, I love yeah, your show. I and <laughs> yeah, I always I always binge watch, you know, like uh, every once in a while, just binge watch all the all the episodes that I've missed on YouTube. It's great to see these conversations that we really need to have in the Bahamas. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I appreciate you. You are one of the big supporters. You did you fund August. So the entire month of August was actually sponsored by um, Dr. Davis. If anyone had remembered, I was saying the whole, you know, we all need a little more science and a lot more perspective. This episode is sponsored by Science and Perspective. So this is the man behind that. So thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate you supporting me in that way, as well as supporting me in viewing. I really appreciate that. And I love having you back on the show. You are a great person to speak to about all of these great things. And even though I've had you here before, still give us just a brief background for people who have not met you before, maybe never seen any of the past episodes about who you are, who is Dr. Lino, Doc Lino, <laughs> Dr. Davis, you know, who are you? Thank you, Shandi. Uh, so I'm Dr. Ancelino Davis. I'm a Bahamian scientist, ecologist, and capacity builder. And that's really the space that I fit in most now. And capacity building to me is educating people about their environment and then helping Bahamians to really conserve and protect and monitor that environment for themselves instead of having to bring in outside expertise. Uh, and so that's that's what it's really about. And that's what your show is about. So I'm super excited uh, to be back here again today. Awesome, thanks for that. And so as we jump right in, you are here to talk about this recent project that you worked on. So can you tell us a bit um, for the audience, who is ISRAID? Okay, so ISRAID is an international nonprofit organization. It's non-governmental, non non-religious, and it it really uh, came to ISRAID really came to the Bahamas uh, in response to the disaster slash tragedy of Hurricane Dorian. And the main the main focus originally was delivering on the WASH program, which is water sanitation and hygiene, making sure that people who were suffering after Dorian had access to, at the minimum, clean water and sanitation products, including you know, feminine hygiene products, um, soap and sanitary supplies, things like that. And then the WASH program brought in um, some, some hydrologists that assessed the situation with the water quality on Grand Bahama and Abaco. And one of the big issues that we had was the salt water that was just sitting on the island during Hurricane Dorian, that percolates down into our groundwater and our freshwater lens. So <clears throat> the freshwater lenses that our water authorities, the Grand Bahama Utility Company or the Water and Sewage Corporation, where they draw that water from now was filled with salt. And that's not, it's not just a one-time thing because the salt water that's now sitting in the freshwater lens and it can actually shift the freshwater lens. So you have this, this basically this bubble of nice fresh water and you sit that salt water on top there and now it might split it. It might break it up into a bunch of different parts. Hmm. So it's like if you have a sheen of oil on uh, like cooking oil on top of some water and you yeah. pour more water in it and it breaks into those little globules. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what happens with the fresh water. So now <laughs> where the wells used to be, you might not have fresh water anymore. Mm. And in addition to that, now all the people who are getting that water delivered to their homes, because you still try to get them the best quality water you can get, even if it's a little salty. Yeah. Now it's damaging their appliances and stuff like that. And it's also damaging the equipment for the water authorities. Yeah. 
like the Water and Sewage Corporation or the Grand Bahama Utility Company. Right. So what Israel did was um, help to find how find out how that uh, fresh water and salt water was changing at these different well locations. Yeah, and I'm so happy you actually went into what a freshwater lens is because I've used that term with people before. Of course, people who are not in the sector and they were kind of like freshwater lens, like glass lens, like, you know, and, and so it's really important for people to understand that even though we are a country surrounded by salt water, we do have these pockets of freshwater um, in our limestone rocks. And so I know I've, I was hearing, I know a couple of my friends who live in Grand Bahama, they would joke and say, you know, we still bathe in salty water. And when they would say that, I was like, oh, okay. I thought, you know, these, pro these things get processed, but it would make sense that of course the equipment ordinarily would not be dealing with any sort of levels of salt water. So it might just be ruining not only the home's appliances, but also the corporation. Um, so it's great that you explained that. And can you talk a bit about, I want to make sure I grab this together properly. Why it's so important to kind of like monitor these um, these freshwater lens in the groundwater. I know earlier you showed me a piece of apparatus that you had. If you could kind of talk about that. Okay, so um, for monitoring, and this this is my handy dandy freshwater lens. Well, that's not lens. what it was. <laughs> don't make me look right. like I don't know what an apparatus. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a roll of tape. But if you imagine the the ground in the Bahamas is here, right? And it starts raining and then you get some water that just collects and it starts to make this little this little bubble underground. So all this fresh water that makes it through and it gets filtered out, it's fresh water. So it floats on top of the salt water. So all under here is a bunch of fresh water. Right mm -hmm. now, when we're monitoring, we can see as that grows, as there's a lot of rain. Oh, like the rain that y'all had in Nassau like yesterday. Yeah, or today too, the last couple of days. Yeah. So so that makes this this freshwater lens expand and it gets bigger and bigger. But now let's say we put a well down inside there, right? You push a little well down there. You might miss that wet, you might miss that freshwater lens completely. You over here <laughs> drilling inside the salt water, right? Yeah. Or you get it down right in the center. So you get the deepest part of this fresh water. But what happens when tide rises? If you're pulling from down here and the tide comes up, the tide actually lifts that salt, lifts that fresh water. So now you're mm -hmm. sucking salt water, right? And anyway. right, you, you don't want that salt water. So Israel Aid helped to install these devices, and these are logger devices. And right now you can just hang this inside, you just tie a piece of string. To this and just drop it inside a well or inside a water body and what it does is it collects data over time and you can set it to collect data every five minutes you could set it to collect data every hour but the thing is this is just hanging in there collecting that data all the time so your employees from water and sewage they don't have to be out there after five o'clock collecting this data they don't have to go all the way to that well to collect that data. This is constantly collecting that data. Works smart. And it can keep, right. It can keep like 10,000 readings. And so, so you could put this in and get eight years of data, right? right. Mm -hmm. Now, when you now you can take this back out and connect it to another device and pull all that data off. And you put that in your computer and you can see these really cool cyclical movements. And what we got to see was that you hang it at a certain point and the salinity changes. Hmm. So we could show them directly, this is how the salt in that water that you draw from that level in that well changes over time. And you know what? Each well was different. I was just gonna ask that. Right. <laughs> you so, Right in, in the middle of Abaco, where it's a huge, wide piece of island, mm -hmm. this well, this um, freshwater lens can be really wide. But on a narrow strip of island, the well, the the freshwater lens can only be so wide. Mm -hmm. So when you have a big, wide bowl, and you put your your sensor in the middle of it, when that shifts with um, with the tide, you don't get that much difference. But when you have a small, narrow um, 
freshwater lens, you might be at the corner of that freshwater lens. So because that curve is right there, when that water depth changes, you get a huge change in salinity. And, and so, so by doing this, pardon me? And that's better to have that? Or are you saying drop well, in the Well, you don't want any change in salinity. You want, it, <laughs> you want to be in that deep fresh water part all the time. You want to always be pumping good fresh water. So by showing, showing this now, you can take this device and quickly profile a well. You can put this down inside. You can say, device, take data every two seconds. And you lower it down, lower it down. And it says, oh, good water, good water, good water, good water. Oh, it's getting kind of salty. It's getting kind of salty. Oh, no, that's really salty water. And then when you bring that into the computer, you can say, OK, this well, we want at this level. This well, we want at this height. And that helps the water authorities to be able to install their wells in the appropriate manner for each location. And they may also be able to change their pumping um, activity. So if you know the well, most of the day is fine. Mm -hmm. But you know, like maybe two feet before high tide, you need to stop pumping from that well or you can suck salt water, oh, right? Yeah. So now, you improve the quality of water that goes into the system. And by doing that, you reduce the burden of the maintenance and you don't have to throw away your pumps every year and a half because they have that salt damage or that rusting out, right? right? Mm -hmm. And you, you also don't waste the employee time where they're constantly in the field fixing these pumps. Yeah. And this monitoring device Here's the cool part. We have these cables, right? And so you can screw this cable. I you love the show connect. and tell. Yeah, you can connect this cable. And this device is sitting down inside the well. And we have another device at the top that has a cell phone chip in it, right? And it emails me. So, <laughs> so emailing me every day, it's, it's like, it's like wow. hey, we got these 12 hours of data. And this is what's going on with the well. Maybe you want to take a look at this. And it's super cool. Um, there are like, sometimes there are like bugs and stuff, but you can look at this data and you can have this well is just behaving normally. You can right. see the tidal changes and all that stuff and it's all good. And then one day it just changes drastically. And you're like, what's going on? And so, you have the person who has access to the emails from the wells and they're looking at this data and they call their guy on the ground. They're like, hey, you know, well X1A over in this area just had like something major happen. Like the salinity is way off. Right. And then you say, oh, they just dug a marina next to that, right? So. So, so that could be a big, a major impact right. to your water distribution. And, and, you know, you can tie those things directly. And dude, the, the hydrogeology of the Bahamas is, it's amazing. And it's so intricate and so weird at times. Um, but it's definitely, as, as a data scientist, it's, it's super cool to like, to be able to look at wells and, like you see in the pictures of me, like I'm in the bush with my computer connected to a well and I'm like, yeah, I'm programming a well in the middle of a pine forest. And just doing weird stuff like that is what like every scientist wants to do, right? Right. But uh, but yeah, it's super cool to, to get these emails from the wells. Yeah, so we do have a question um, from the audience, actually my wonderful aunt, who is also a regular viewer. She's wondering, she has well water, not city water, and if this is something that she can purchase, this monitor, or how do homeowners arrange for something like this, like a monitoring device for their personal well? Okay, so these devices that we're using are actually Solinst level loggers. Um, and follow Lashanti, you know, hit that <laughs> like button, get the notifications. Smash I'll share with subscribe. her the information. Yeah, I'll share with her the information so that you can see see it online. Okay. Um, but there are lots of different devices like this. 
Um, I also would recommend that you reach out to your local water authority. So the Water and Sewage Corporation, they do test um, water for people. Um, for free. Pardon? For free? I, I, I can't offer nothing for free. Uh, you know, I don't know what I don't know what the regime is, um, but they do do water testing. If you ha if you are on city water and something goes bad, they would test it. I I think I think they do come out and test it. If you say, hey, this water smell funny or something like that. Um, but for well water, these devices. The cool thing about this is, you could have one device and you could you could pop from place to place. So this might be something that you want to reach out to your <clears throat> your new uh, minister <laughs> and say, hey, let's see what's resources. going on with the water in in our um, community. Yeah, and our minister, we have a new minister of natural resources. Yeah, and groundwater, your groundwater is a natural resource, and this is really important for us to know. Like monitoring, you cannot manage anything that you don't monitor. And you right. can't monitor anything that you don't measure, mm. right? So yes, if you're on well water, the absolute minimum thing you need to be doing is monitoring that. Because you also don't want to- Because I'm also on well water. <laughs> okay. So so I and there, there's a great episode that I did, um, Israel and the New Providence Ecology Park. Oh, I think I started so watching yeah, we did some some videos with that way. But one of the big take homes for well water users is our groundwater. Anything you throw on the ground in the Bahamas Go is going to be in your well water, right? And we have another question. Is it OK to be putting chlorine tablets in your well? That is a great question. So a lot of people have this well that goes down into the ground, into the groundwater. That groundwater lens, that could be as big as your neighborhood. That could be that could be stretched across your constituencies. So you throw a chlorine tablet inside that, that chlorine tablet says, oh, this is to treat, you know, 40 gallons or you know, a thousand gallons. You dropping that inside a lens that's eight million gallons, what that can do? That's Clean not that area. No, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Because in water, when that dissolves through the water, mm -hmm. because also when your well is drilled, is mm -hmm. drilled to a certain extent into that rock. Yeah. That chlorine tablet that you drop down that well, when it hits the bottom there and starts diffusing, it diffuses through all of that rock, mm. through all of that, that area. What you need is called residence time. So when you get when you pump that water out of the ground you need to take it through filtration and mm -hmm. then it goes into a tank where you apply your chlorine and it sits in there to kill everything yeah I have right yeah yeah so so that's where the chlorine needs to go otherwise it's like you out in the ocean trying to clean the ocean that don't make no sense we are trying to clean the ocean, just not with chlorine yeah. tablets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not yeah, not with chlorine. Definitely not with chlorine tablets, y'all. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's that's something that you need to do after you after you bring the water in. And with well water in the Bahamas, one of the things that I always tell people, you need to get a full test on your well water. Because although in your yard, you have your well on this side of your yard mm -hmm. and you have your septic tank on this side of your yard but let's just move over a little bit right your neighbor has their well right next to your septic tank and on the other side your other neighbor have their septic tank next to your well and a lot of people think that nature just follows these boundaries that you draw some imaginary line to this <laughs> my property that's your property no, water don't work like that, right? Mm -hmm. And so where you drilling down, you don't, you're not thinking that you go over one road, you on the same aquifer, but the, <coughs> pardon me, That's fair. That's let okay. me get some water. There you go. Yeah, 
fortunately, I don't think my well is near anyone's cesspit. Yeah. <clears throat> but you have a bush mechanic down the road. Or you have someone who burns like random trash and stuff. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you might live near the Coral Harbor canals and people are just throwing like refrigerators and stuff inside there. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and we do have a comment. That happened to us and we had to move our well when a new neighbor came. Mm. It's unfortunate. And, and But this is one of those things that you move your well and unfortunately it, it doesn't make any difference. Right. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm really sorry, but but I'm just I'm just bringing you the reality of it. Yeah, and this, this is stuff that, Yeah, we need that science, right? Because the science can tell you, you know, um, this is how deep the well water is. This is how um, much space you have. But that perspective where we understand that Bahamians, for a long time, everyone drank well water then like i think it was like maybe 70s and 80s when they started introducing bottled water so did if you if you talk to your grandparents and stuff they yes. they were not used to bottled water it tastes funny to them and if you go back to those like the white plastic jugs those do have a funny taste to me I mean, the but then, yeah oh, the white. one gallon jugs oh yeah they I have like a that. funny they have a funny plasticky taste right <clears throat> And then you get different types of bottles, or if it's kept in a cool situation, then it doesn't leach that chemical into it or or whatever. But older people, they don't trust the plastic water. Interesting. And now you have people that have been so used to the plastic bottles that that's all they want to drink, and they don't want to go to well water or city water. And then after the city water is introduced, you know. You might have your bill run up or there's a leak or something and you can't pay that bill anymore so you switch over to well water and you think oh this is way better yeah and what you don't understand is now your well water is tied to your electricity so it ain't a lot of people like oh i don't pay for water i have a well no your your water is just in your electricity bill now yeah so we do have a I question um uh -huh. Before you stray too far, in your opinion, would you prefer well water or city water? And I almost wonder if that's dependent on where you live, you know? Most definitely. I would actually prefer catchment water. So rainwater that I catch off the roof mm -hmm. um, uh, during rainy seasons and stuff like that. Like that would sweet. be ideal. Yeah. Right. Um, <clears throat> And, and if you just think about it, you drive through those areas that flooded and you're like, wow, 50 million gallons of water sitting in the street. Fine with what water if? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, fine with. So yeah, that, that's, a, that's a next level of discussion. But right now, um, and when you look down on the satellite images, there are acres and acres of buildings uh, whose rooftops are just letting that water run off. Yeah. And you can get a 400, 500 gallon tank and attach it to your rain gutters. And you actually could store that rain after one tropical storm come through. You got water for like a month. Pardon? You can't get them locally, eh? Them rain catchment systems. Yes, you can you can get the but one, you don't have to buy the original um <laughs> like big 400 yeah. or 1,000 gallon thing, right? But you can order them online right. and you can have them installed by professionals. Um, and and that, would be, that would be ideal for our country. So bringing into account this perspective, if you have water that's already coming down from the sky, then you don't have to pump or anything like that. Yeah. But um, depending on where you are in the Bahamas, um, you are supposed to be tied into the water authority based on the law. If they if they supply that area, you're supposed to be tied in. You can have the pipe there and just don't have it connected to anything, but you have to have that supply because water is an essential human need. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And as citizens of the Bahamas, that's one of our rights. We have we have water. So even if you don't have water coming to your house, you have a water pump or available public water station somewhere in your community. Mm-hmm. Supposed to, right? Right. Um, if, if my decision was between well water and utility water, I would actually prefer the utility water. And here's why. I don't want to deal with that maintenance. <laughs> right? The Because when, after you account for buying the pump, the tank, um, the filters, the chlorine, and doing it well, Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get it? Doing it well. Um, <laughs> there you go. Uh, the puns. Yeah, the, the puns just flow, right? Um, so, so when you get, <laughs> so when you get the when you get the the all of that stuff, all that system put in, mm-hmm. um, you lose the economies of scale. If you live in a community that everyone says, "Hey, let's chip in and get a proper water treatment plant," you could probably do that. That um, that in a good way as well if you're like a super affluent community but we have a water um we have water authorities that are supposed to be doing that for us and i prefer to have them deal with that um <coughs> than me water. yeah 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 so plus i'm always curious... like off island and stuff <laughs> but i do have a curious question and i don't know if maybe any of the viewers were also wondering this because i've heard mixed opinions on this by <coughs> learned people can we drink the tap water here in the Bahamas? So <clears throat> there's a lot that goes into that. <laughs> After a storm, I would say no, right? Okay. Um, and this is because, so normally our water quality, when it leaves the water authority, it meets World Health Organization standards. So yes, you can drink that water. After these major storms, though, when you have shifts in the in the ground, you have breakage in pipes, and some of our infrastructure is very old. You've seen our government has been investing millions and millions of dollars recently in updating that infrastructure mm-hmm. because those old pipes they've been rusted out and they're breaking and stuff like that. <clears throat> and when you have a lot of water coming through at the same time, that can break and damage the pipes. And that allows other things to get introduced. Or you have um, Joe Blow down the road who just borrowed his friend tractor and he broke a pipe today. So now you have a section of pipe where all this other stuff got into the pipe. And the Water and Sewage Corporation or the Grand Bahama Utility Company, they can't control that all the time. Yeah. So when that happens and you... If you oh follow their pages, Grand Bahama Utility Company and Water Sewer Water and Sewage Corporation they have um, Facebook pages and they have um, online. You could follow them and get the updates when something is wrong in your neighborhood, and they work really hard to to fix that right away. And so sometimes you'll see like a period where there's like if your water comes out and it ever has a smell or a color that you're not pleased with call them up tell them where you are what situation you're having and they they might explain to you what's going on and they'll address it um but then that's why sometimes you also um get like a a very strong chlorine smell from your from your pipes because they have to flush it through and so what they will do is actually inject enough into the system to clean that all out and so so i do trust the um the Water and Sewage Corporation and the Grand Bahama Utility Company to meet those World Health Organization standards and guidelines. And I've been working with, with them for a few months. And um, I have to tell you, like their their dedication to, to detail and how hard they work. And I mean, these are guys that are living in the community. So they also know if the water off, even if it ain't their fault, Everyone's gonna call them and be like, "Like, man, stop! What's, no, what's going on? Now. Yeah, what's going <laughs> yeah. on with the water?" Um, and 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 they're just they're just an amazing group. Um, but yeah, they're they're also pressed really hard, especially on the islands of Abaco and Grand Bahama, yeah. where you have an unprecedented storm like Dorian, 
that damaged so much of the infrastructure. And it also like hurt them as individual people, you know, and then you have COVID and the guys and they're, they're like losing family members, but still trying to deliver good water to our communities. And that's a, that's a really, that's a different perspective that, that you realize that these aren't, this isn't some machine that's just taking water out. These are, these are real people that are, that are delivering this water and they also rely on the water. Right. And a lot of people don't think about it like that. They think it's a company or an organization, but no, these are individual people that are out in the bush trying to fix this pump. So you could go and, and like waste it while you're brushing your teeth or something, you know? Yeah. But, but that, that water conservation thing, that's big. And that needs to, we got to talk about that too. Right. Cause well, you, you're lenses, always welcome back. Yeah. Yeah. These lenses are small and like all the water that they're, that they're pumping out is limited supply. Right. So let's also think about that. Uh, when we're um, brushing our teeth or washing the dishes, try not to waste too much of this good water. Right. So can you tell us, um, this is also a question from the audience. How far down is the water table? It depends. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, when I, whenever I tell people how much it varies and how much it changes and stuff, a lot of time they're, they're like, wow, that's deep. Right. <laughs> <Literally>. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so what happens is the water depends on the recharge. Mm -hmm. And so if it rains all year, that's really cool. Right. They, it, it rains and rains and rains and you can recharge this water, this water table and it grows and it grows and it grows, but we're pumping out. Right. right. So we're sucking this water out. That's like, if you are at a restaurant and the waitress doesn't come by to fill your cup up and you that just, you just bibbing away. Right. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. Then you, you're going to be thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, um, so that's why we also doing this, 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 um, sustainable groundwater management. So by them having these devices, they can say, hey, that we need to calm down on that that lens over there because it's getting kind of shallow. Yeah. Right. Oh. Mm -hmm. And and so so that's a really cool benefit of having these devices and this whole program in place. And our Grand, uh, Grand Bahama Utility Company and Water and Sewage Corporation now have these and they can they can monitor that into the future. And I think that's super cool right now and so we do have another question this seems to be a really interesting topic um can you explain a little more about water catchment keeping it clean and the prevention of mosquito breeding sorry if this seems like an ignorant question i don't know much about it that's what questions are for <laughs> so th there's a lot that goes into it so so for me catching the water it's like all of this stuff that we're doing is the rainwater comes down, percolates through the ground. Um, it gets caught in these lenses. Then we pump it out, clean it up and bring it back to our houses. Right. On the way down through the ground, it picks up all kinds of contaminant, contaminants. The, that, um, that soapy water that you throw it in the yard after you mop the ground. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All the, uh, all the times you pour a bear on the ground, um, when you change the oil, <laughs> the, time, the time the car was leaking, um, you know, people doing things in the yard when you have a big party and the bathroom full, so they have to go in the corner. All of that goes down, right? Uh, but if you have rainwater, yeah, you have your roof, you have your roof sealed. And when that water runs off, it goes into your gutters and you have a down spigot. And then you have a one that goes to the side. So when this rainwater comes down and it runs down first, so it has to fall into this, this lower area first. So that's all the dirt that washed off your roof and all that washed off your gutters. Mm -hmm. And it goes down into here. And depending on how big your roof is, that has to be a certain size. Right. And now that goes into there. And then the clean water goes across into your container um that's on the side so that's one of the it's simple physics water always has to fill the first container first yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah. when it gets 
then it can go over. And so, so just by setting that up like that, you can fill that, that bottom one and then it goes into your other container. As long as the top of that isn't open to the air, mosquitoes can't breed in it, Yeah. right? And so you have a mesh lining over the top of that and that mesh lining just has to be a certain um, uh, size yeah. so that the mosquitoes can't get down in it to lay their eggs and to, to wiggle down inside there. And when that tank overflows, it actually comes out the top. It bubbles out the top and just like waters your garden or whatever. But in the meantime, you yeah. already have a full, a full tank of, of water. And you can daisy chain them together. So once you have that first downspout that gets rid of the, the dirty wash off and stuff, and you're going to open that and let that out every once in a while. Yeah. But then you have your containers. And before it comes into your house, you have your pump and your filtration. Right. And, and that's, that's, that's how you keep it clean. But with that, um, in regards to people maybe thinking of like how we talked earlier, oh, I don't pay a water bill, but you may pay this electric bill. Do you find that that rain catchment system will probably burn the same amount of electricity as someone who would have a well? So actually, if you think about it, your roof is like 15 feet high, right? Correct. Water always runs downhill. Correct. Your sink is only about maybe three and a half feet off the ground. A little tall. Yeah, that's, that's a little tall. But um, when that water runs off, as long as the water in your catchment is above that level, it's going to flow into your house without you having to use any pump or anything. And that's, again, that's physics. That's the science of it. And so you could actually do it without using the electricity to pump it into your house. And you use, like minimum, you use minimal electricity for the cleaning and filtration and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. and, and that's more on demand yeah. as opposed to you like constantly um, doing that. And it's, it's a lot of things that, yeah, you invest a little bit uh, on the front end, but yeah. it saves you a lot in the long run. And then you have that reliability of the water. You also have the situation where, you know, you can tie in with, your utility water. So you have that, that reliability of the public utility, but also have that, um, that rain catchment water that you know exactly what went into it. Um, and sustainability isn't about being perfect. It's not about having absolutely zero waste and not paying anything for electricity or water. It's about doing better, right? Do, just let's, let's do something better each day. Right. Yeah. And I, I think it would be amazing if we imagine all the schools in the Bahamas with rainwater catchment. Oh, Just agree. that. Yeah. Right. But I do remember um, I, the guest we had, well, not the guest, Bradley Watson, probably the funniest guest I had on the show. Um, some of the regular viewers may remember him cooking rice at the oh, same time. That hurt, that hurt. No, but no, the like, funniest guest. Like he was okay. dissing, he was dissing me hard. So maybe All between right. you two, but and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he it's uh, this beautiful quote of "Do what you can now," and and that's what living sustainably and trying to live greener or bluer is all about. Like you just have to. Not everyone can go vegan, right? Like not everyone can do that. Not everyone can probably get a rain catchment system, but but look at your individual life, right? And see what you can do. Maybe support certain companies and not support others. Maybe share a post or something that'll give that information out there, or maybe get a rain catchment system. So yeah, yeah it's just it definitely is not just for rich people. We all can live sustainably once we take the necessary steps and do what we can now. Yeah. Even going from a 40-minute shower which is, you know, like oh, 40 wow. gallons of water, I think. Yeah, that's a long time. If you just cut, if you just cut 10 minutes off of that, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. You could still meditate in the shower without the water on, you know? But right? I, you know, I never got that because I've always been the like fast shower type because I feel like, yeah. what you doing in there? What you really doing yeah. in there? Like you're not showering yeah. anymore. And I know there was always this drastic difference between my brother and I, where I'd be like in and out of the shower and he would just be in there for it almost would feel like an hour so yeah so people just think about it like you really don't need to spend that much time in the shower or even having the water running actively so yeah for 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 people that i work with i often like translate it into money and sadly that's how um humans see things these mm -hmm. days but 
when you break it down and you're like, like, hey, you know that 40 minute shower over the course of a year is $200. What will you do with $200 for Christmas? Yeah, like, like they're like, really? Mm -hmm. just, true. just write that on the shower wall in a marker. You know what I mean? Like, like hey, this is, how, this is how much you're wasting. And every time you don't have the money for gas, every time you wanted to go catch one plane to a fabulous family island, and enjoy some of that fresh groundwater. Like, you know, like, you're like, man, I wish I didn't waste that time in the shower. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah but before we get too far in, I know one of the things you had mentioned earlier um, that I would like to speak a bit on is, you know, because groundwater, I feel like it's almost like that unsung natural resource that not a lot of people think about. So if you could maybe talk to us about natural resources in general and just, because you know, I, I feel like when people think of the Bahamas and natural resources, all they think about is, oh, we have the beach. Like, yeah. What? So, <laughs> so um, natural resources, they they occur and they they would do their thing, Naturally. regardless of us being here, right? <laughs> right. Um, but. The issue, I think one of the biggest um, problems that we have with natural resources in the Bahamas is that we don't know what we have. And when I say we don't know what we have, I mean, it's not common knowledge, it's not public knowledge, what it is, where it is, how much there is, mm -hmm. and how it can be used or who is using it, right? right? And so for me, with this, with this pro project, being able to put these devices in and knowing what the salinity, temperature, and depth of the water is at all of these locations in the back of the bush every hour on the hour, imagine if that type of information was known for each constituency, for each area of the Bahamas. Right. And then you say, hey, this area has really good fresh water. Mm -hmm. This is where we can have a community. This is where we can have proper farming because the freshwater lens is so robust that it can feed the plants well, right? right? We can think about things like that. And water quality and water monitoring and management, water is the most essential element for life. Right, yes, yeah. and and you have the salt water, brackish water, fresh water, ground water, rain water. You have the the potable water that that we're drinking now, and all of this. I feel water, like I want the list to be longer. That almost felt like a song: salt yeah. water, fresh water, brackish water. <laughs> oh, we, we get the we get the rap going on later, right? Um, but but people really take water for granted until we don't have it. Like and many things, those unsung heroes, right? Yeah. And, and so so a lot of people every day, and, and a lot of people, it's like a relationship and you, you abuse it until it's gone. And people have like, they see a blue hole and they're like, oh, that's infinite. That's, that's um, inviolable. And they're like, <laughs> throwing cars inside there dumping refrigerators and ovens and until one day someone do a header off of that that blue hole and they oh could touch goodness. they could touch the garbage right oh like, mm, mm, that ain't right mm -hmm. and then your your grandma and your uncle say oh yeah that used to be so deep you couldn't even see the bottom and now all you can see is all the garbage and stuff mm -hmm. um but yeah we have with all of our natural resources, we have to understand that natural resources, given their own time, they can recycle and regenerate. Mm -hmm. They can they can get back to purity and balance. Which is why but monitoring some, is so important. Yeah, but some yeah. things like if you if you scoop out a wetland, that wetland could be a freshwater wetland, and you pull in a marina next to that. When that salt water goes through that limestone and gets into that wetland, that's no longer a freshwater wetland. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. You might have fish that have been in there for 200 years without significant saltwater intrusion. All of them, they dead. Like that's that's a done deal. Yeah. This past week, I saw flamingos in Long Island. Oh, I haven't. I didn't get to see them. Darn. That was super cool. And imagine these birds, they know like their grandparents and their great grandparents told them, oh, you could go to this wetland and you could have some good shrimp. Then they come there one day and Bahamians already mess up the wetland. They're like, mm, these shrimp they, taste they fine. The shrimp <laughs> right. And, and so like we, we really don't think about it. And a lot of times, again, Bahamians really, when you buy land, it's this flat two-dimensional piece of paper. Right and yeah, that's, that's a touchy thinking, topic. Yeah, there's there's soil, there's um, microbes and all that under there, and there's a time frame, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of the 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 flooding that we had downtown Nassau, that's reclaimed land. Bay Street. I hate that term. I hate that term. Was the bay? I hate that term. Reclaimed yeah. land. Yeah. It, yeah. Land yeah. It's, it's damaged wetlands. That's what it is, right? Um, anyway, that's so, another topic. <laughs> yeah. So the north side of Bay Street, mm -hmm. that was actually the bay. That wasn't, yeah. yeah, that wasn't like even a wetland or anything. They just like take that soil and fill it in. And when you look at it and you realize that Prince George Wharf is higher than Bay Street. Which is course, also not filled in. Yeah. That, that yeah, little area, really that's good. where the water can collect. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, people at the end of the day, you could always make more money, like money, literally you could print more money. I, I wish I could, but <laughs> yeah, so the country can print more money, <laughs> but you cannot recreate some of these wetlands that we are damaging. Yep. These are things that evolved over hundreds of years. And these freshwater lenses, some of them, when you damage them, once you bring that marina in close enough and that's all water gets in that, that's it. And all of those people, you're like, oh, we're going to make this big marina and all the people in this area, they'll have jobs and stuff. But then they don't have good water, right? And all these things that they used to do, they don't have the access to the fish in the wetlands and stuff. Um, after the COVID lockdowns, the most beautiful thing that I saw was all of my neighbors in Adelaide. That Father's Day, they were up and down this road catching crabs. Land crabs need that good groundwater. They need all the time that you don't see crabs, they're underground inside these nice little dens and burrows and stuff like that. that. Yeah, they could stay there. Yeah, I don't listen. Me and crabs, we don't we don't sidestep. I don't. It's but, <laughs> you don't sidestep. No, but, like they could, they could stay in the dens. Yeah. So, <laughs> but but a lot of Bahamians don't understand mm -hmm. that everything that they throw in the bush, crabs eat all of that. Yeah, be nasty. Any any baby diaper, that that's crab food. They yeah, that, okay. Yeah. Yeah, crab, crab, crab people who talk about. Oh, I eat crab fat. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, the fat. Before we offend anymore, um, crab people. But <laughs> but to, to be to be re reasonable though, crab yeah. in the Bahamas, that is a major natural resource. Yeah. It is. It's an industry in and of itself. Shout out to the androgens. Right. It, yeah. Shout out to Andres because crabs for computers, that was genius. And you have young people who are getting educated because of a cultural element, a natural resource element that they could find in the bush. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine you just walk in the bush and you pick up something that turns into education tuition for you? Sure. I was going to do that for my PhD, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and now... Now you have something like, like oil exploration. If there was an oil spill on the west side of Andres, all of those wetlands, done. All the flamingos in the back there, done. That crab industry, done. The tourism industry, done. And you know what? The water quality in Andres, done. 
And these are things when you impact those like that, this would be generations of Bahamians with things like cancer, petroleum pollution. You no longer have a tourism industry there. All that flats fishing and stuff like that, forget about it. Like you cannot eat oil, right? Um, but when we had Hurricane Dorian, after Hurricane Dorian, the people knew that they could fish. At least if they had hand line and a hook, they could get some fish out of the ocean and get some protein, right? Yeah, and that, that was something really beautiful that I heard that a lot of people, you know, they weren't working anymore and they turned back to the sea. The ocean, yeah. you know, will provide. Yeah. So Yeah. My neighbors in, in Adelaide, like like they they'll help they'll hook you up with some fish. Like any and and it's like they they're not really worried about the money about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, yeah, yeah, come come help us clean the fish and you can have one, right? And that's that's a totally different um, concept. But with water, you could have, you know, you could have a really great community, but then there's one person that's polluting the water and that's not cool, right? right? So we do have one more. Um, well, I guess this is, this is kind of a question. Um, do you remember when they used to barge water from Andres? I didn't know that they did that. Yes. And so Andres, wow. you know, Andres is the Blue Hole Island, right? And I All recently got to see that. Yeah. Beautiful. We, so this is the cool thing, right? Fresh water floats on salt water. Mm-hmm. So they literally had these barges that pulled big baggies of water across from Andres. It was like this huge baggie that wow. float. That yeah, and they millions and millions of gallons they would bring to new man because i don't know nothing about this (laughs) actually this is something that we would learn in social studies when i was going through school so you're a little bit behind me but uh but yeah that that's how we used to get our water for new providence but you know what there's too much people on new providence and fuel is expensive yeah and now we have the technology for us to do the reverse osmosis. Yeah, correct. But we also have a lack of energy security in the Bahamas. And so yeah, now if you think true. about it, <laughs> if you think about it, all of our water is now tied to our energy in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. So on all the family islands on New Providence, when there's a major interruption in electricity, what do we also get interrupted? The water. Our water. And if you don't have enough energy to push pressure through those systems, anyone who left their um, holes open and stuff like that, you now could get backup into yeah. the system. Yikes. That ain't cool. No. Um, but, but yeah, in the past, they used to barge water from Andrus. That's really cool. And yeah, and, and now Andres, I think, has a lot of good fresh water. So maybe we should start moving to Andres and settling in there and just getting it straight from the source. Some good I mean, ground water. Lutra. That's where I go. Lutra? But you could go. Yeah, you could go Andres. I already got a little piece of land in Andres. I got to try go check that out. Probably go, go. on the brush that. But this uh, this has been such a great episode, and we're actually almost up on the hour. I uh, don't want to keep you guys too long, you or the guests. Um, so before we go, I do have two more questions for you. The first being, Manlino, what's your favorite sea creature and why? You know, I you you asked me last time, and I can't remember what my answer was last time, Good. and so it it might be different this time. That's but fine. this past weekend. I was snorkeling in the creek, like Galloway Creek in Long Island. I saw a barracuda. This barracuda was one sweet five and a half, must be six foot. And barracuda, it isn't, I ain't gonna say it's my favorite animal, like to see, like I don't don't really like take pleasure from seeing barracuda in the water next to me, but I respect them. Cause like, like whenever you see a barcode in the water, they are, they look at you and then they have this weird smile. It's like a, an awkward smile. <laughs> and I feel like 
that's the smile like after you tell a dad joke you just like <laughs> like you know and so barracuda is always i think like their teeth maybe their teeth are too big for them to close their mouth properly or something i think they get to that size at, at certain points because i've seen them where they're like really gnarly like they can't even like their teeth just yeah. sticking out yeah yeah and so so barracuda because they're an ambush predator it's like they just sit there and oh, so creepy. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah they're, they're kind of creepy with that like weird mm -hmm. smile on their face and if you don't see them they just chill it but if mm -hmm. you swim towards a barracuda they get like super nervous and awkward they're, they're like wait you can see me and they they, they, they always swim away <laughs> yeah if you swim towards a barracuda they're like no no they, like i don't need any like, everything cool interaction. Yeah. yeah 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 but so the last and thing the next question yeah, no, it was just before we close, uh, maybe some final thoughts, something inspirational that you might have like a lesson learned through this project um, more specifically, or just like a nice life lesson, a final thought for viewers or maybe potential people who are interested in getting into this type of work. I think um, one, there there's space for you to follow your passion in science, like anything anything that you see that you think is cool if you can't figure out how it fits into your life plan or your learning plan or your education or your business plan get my contact information from Lashanti <laughs> you can you can reach out yeah, to me Facebook and I think yeah good. yeah just hit me up I'd, I'd love to connect with um, more Bahamian students and get them engaged in science and get them down that pathway because I was told that, you know, you good at science, you got to be a doctor or a dentist, maybe a veterinarian on the outside. Mm -hmm. And I don't like being in buildings. Mm -hmm. And so it took me years to find out that I could walk around in the bush or go scuba diving and someone was going to pay me for it. What? Yeah. That's awesome. But if you into technology, like really cool technology, I get into see things that no one else is privy to science is it and i mean there are people around you all day every day driving around walking around catching the jitney fly in they have their house and they're sitting above this amazing freshwater groundwater resource that's underneath us mm -hmm. and they're not thinking about it you have your septic tank and soak away sitting in this water resource that's accepting the waste that you're giving out into the world and then on the other side of your property you're like pulling the water out of the ground for you to wash your body with for you to make your coffee and tea with mm -hmm. and nobody's thinking about it and the water and sewage corporation the grand bahama utility company they're looking for people who are passionate about water, yeah. right? And guess what? Dorian isn't going to be the last storm like that, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it, it, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm just, I'm just being real. Yeah, it's not going to be the last storm like that. And it's like our islands are taking turns, so we don't just need Bahamians to study this water and hydrogeology. We want them to also have that perspective of, hey, my grandparents were farmers on cat islands who couldn't read or write, but they used to use well water. And oh. let's go over, let's, let's make sure that their grandchildren, my cousins and stuff, still have good fresh water. That's what we're talking about. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but but this, this is where we yeah. need to be. Um, as Bahamians, we can do all of this science. Yeah. We can do all of it. We have the but, power. But we need that vision. We need that perspective. Right. We need to get out there. And, and I'm, I'm really appreciative for Israel, Grand Bahama Utility Company, Water and Sewage Corporation, um, Wellspring Water Solutions out of Florida. They also helped us to do a lot of the modules and the training activities. Nice. Um, anyone that's interested can also reach out to us for that information. So right. if you want to get your start, reach out to us, there are 10 modules so that you can learn about this, uh, the water quality and groundwater management work that we did. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's an amazing project. Um, it's wrapping up now. So actually, um, the end of this month, this is my last month um, running this this program. But the the partners now have everything they need to keep it going, and I'm super excited. And um, I've already dedicated to you know if someone is interested. They can still reach out to me, and that's why it's not just um, Israel today, but I'm also sharing my contact information so that into the future, the next few months, you know, people can still reach out to me and, and get those contacts. For sure. So, and I definitely will encourage anybody interested in any sort of science to reach out to Dr. Davis. He is a very good resource, um, great at what he does, has a lot of information, and can help kind of guide you in the way you need to go. So his information is up there, Science of Perspective, and... This was our finale, guys. We've reached the end of the season, and I'm so excited for what the future has to hold. Longest running season, fourth season, great season. Four seasons? Four seasons. Right. Wow. And, and the fifth one is already recorded to be debuted, I'm hoping, before the end of the year. So I, I've come a long way, haven't I? <laughs> yeah. This, this is legit, Lashanti. Congratulations to you on another fabulous <laughs> season and i i feel i feel so humbled by being uh being able to close out this this season with you and to talk about something as important as water in the bahamas y'all if y'all haven't watched the other episodes go and binge all of the episodes so you can be prepared <laughs> for season five uh, in Lashanti. thanks so much yeah so thank you everyone for riding this wave with me hope to catch you next season on Siren Sundays. All waves yours, <laughs> Lashanti the Siren. <laughs>